Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. We're excited to continue our series through the book of Acts. We've titled it Acts of the Apostles. We got really creative on this one. <laughs> I like it. We, we go through books of the Bible a lot. Sometimes it's a series, sometimes it's a book, and I tell you, I am really, really excited to be working through the book of Acts. It's a very, very, very special book. Uh, We get to see the Holy Spirit come down at Pentecost. We get to see the expansion, the birth and the expansion of the local church, crazy miracles. The book of Acts is a lot of fun. People being healed by shadows. What? We're not talking about that tonight, but it's to come. You get to hear the story, someone healed by a shadow. Got a question for you tonight, something I want you to think about. Have you ever been asked to do anything that you felt maybe that you weren't fully equipped to do? Most of us, right? Uh, Maybe it was a job interview where you beefed up your resume to make it look a lot better than than you really are. No one's ever done that, right? No one's ever faked it till they made it? Every day. Every day. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, I mean, all the time. Or maybe it was that marathon that you signed up for, or 10K, or 5K people in the house. Okay, there we go. All right. <laughs> that 5K you signed up for that you had all the intentions of training for and preparing for, and then you waited till the week of, and you're like, okay, maybe if I get one two-mile run in this time, that'll be enough to get me through. Yeah. Anybody been there? <laughs> Where you got to this moment, and you just didn't feel fully equipped for it, I, that's pretty much every single one of our servant leaders. We're just like, hey, have you ever done lights before? Good. You want to run lights for us tonight? <laughs> oh, you're not a light engineer? That's okay. Just push this button. It'll be great. It'll be great. You can't see color? Great. You would make a perfect light technician for us. Shout out to Tony, our head of production. Can't see color? He runs every beautiful thing that we see, right? He's an amazing guy. It's okay. It's all right. God will give you what you need. I remember uh, whenever I was a sophomore in college, I had spent my freshman year struggling just a little bit to try to find the right friends. Anybody been there? You went to a new school, you went into college, you went to a new city, you went into a new environment or workplace, and you're trying to find the right friends. It's not too hard to find friends. They're just not always the right friends. Am I right? And so I, I struggled with my freshman year with this. And so my sophomore year came around, and it was early in my sophomore year, and I was just praying. Uh, I woke up, and I was just, man, God, send me, send me some, some friends uh, that, that, that are going the same direction and, and that could, you know, build me up and speak your truth over my life. I just didn't have that. And I was walking to what we called convocation. Uh, anybody here knows what that is? It's okay, three of you, four. Okay, this is a, it's like a Sunday gathering that happened three days a week at my college because I went to a Christian school. And so we got church like seven days a week. It was awesome. So it was in the morning, I'm walking to convocation and I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me in a moment. And I was walking past this coffee shop that I never stop at and he said, I want you to go in and grab coffee. How many of you know when you walk into a coffee shop to grab coffee, it's probably from the Lord? Is anybody? <laughs> <It was. laughs> and so I walked in and, and I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not over-spiritualizing the coffee. 
I really do feel like the spirit was leading me. Uh, and it was good. And so I walked in and, God, you are good. Box car, it was, no, it wasn't, shout out. And I walked in and there was somebody in there that, it was a friend of mine, and she said, hey, instead of going to that convocation, you know, there's another service you can go to. And it's a lot smaller, and it's a lot of fun. You should come with me. So I was like, okay, cool. I can get out of convocation and do this thing with my friend. That sounds good. Sign me up. So I went into this room, and at the very end of the service, somebody gave, came over the mic, and they said, hey, we are a traveling worship team, and we're looking for somebody to play the guitar and sing. And so we're having tryouts on Thursday. So I was there, and I was like, okay, God, maybe you're... Okay, I prayed, and maybe this is something here. I don't know, but I'm gonna check it out. And so Thursday came rolling around, and I went to the audition. Now, let me just preface by saying there were a lot of people there auditioning. This is, and this is a big school. And 99.9999% of the people were all 100 times better than me in every way. I mean, I'm sitting there in the hallway, and like I kept inching my way to the back, like I'm just trying to be back, kind of, trying to gauge my competition here. How good are they? You know, what are they playing? What song, what song are you playing? I didn't know all the songs. I didn't know any of the songs they were playing. I'm like, this isn't a good start. And so, uh, granted, I, I wasn't a very well-trained guitar player at all. Uh, I played by ear. I'm not a shredder. I mean, I knew the chords, okay? And if I needed to change keys, I had a capo for that, all right? So, these guys didn't. They're all the way up the fret. They're just like, I'm like, this is not going to bow well for me. So I waited to the very last, and I could hear him in there auditioning, and I could tell, I didn't stand a chance. And I go in, and I was the last one. And have you ever had a moment where you've like, it's like stressed yourself out so much in a moment that you walk into a space that you're like, I got this, I got this. And then you walk into that space, and you just completely blank. You just forget kind of where you are. Your hands start sweating, and, you, and they're like, okay, so, uh, and the whole team was in there. Okay, uh, Parker, so what are you going to play for us? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. What do you want to hear? <laughs> I play by ear, so, you know, name a song. It'll be fine. I'll, I'll, we'll figure it out. And, uh, and I was like, okay, this is stressful. So I, like, fumbled through a song, and then I was forgetting the chords, and I just said, I'm really sorry. I'm kind of butchering this. I promise I did prepare. Can I just, can I try another song? And they're like, yeah, sure, play another one. And so of all of the songs I could choose, I chose an old hymn, one that you maybe never heard of before called Give Me That Old Time Religion in some really weird blues riff. Why? I was like, what am I doing? Give me that old time. All right, so y'all know it. Anyways, I felt like an idiot, and I got done, and I thank you for your time, and I walked out, and I was just like, well, God, thank you for that opportunity. You know, I learned a lot. <laughs> and, uh, every, every opposition still is a gift, you know? There's something to grow in in every season, every circumstance. And uh, so anyways, I get a phone call a couple days later that said, hey, this is Dan from Vision, and I just want to let you know that you made the team. And I said, I'm sorry, this is Parker Manuel. I'm the one that did the old-time religion gig. Thank you for calling. And they said, no, I'm serious. Like, you made the team, but before you play with us, I think we need to get together. And it was his friendly way of saying, I need to teach you how to play the guitar. <laughs> I, need to, I need to show you a few more chords and, and bring you up to speed. And, he, and I was like, what, what happened? Why, why me? And he said, you know, honestly, um, you weren't the best. And I was like... 
Uh, I know. Thank you, friend, jerk. Uh, we're starting off on a good foot here. Uh, you weren't the best, but we got together and we talked about it as a team, and we just felt like you were the best fit. Now, I just want to go ahead and tell you right now, that was the Holy Spirit working through that team to bring me on the team, because later on, I, I did develop my skills a little bit more, and I stayed with that traveling ministry team for the next three years, and that band and those people ended up being my best friends. We ended up becoming roommates together, and we lived together for three years. The guys in the team, we lived together for three years, and they're still some of my closest and best friends today, over, over a decade later. <laughs> I want to tell you today that when you pray, God will hear your prayers, and he will answer your prayers. And even though I was 100% not equipped, not professionally trained, and I blanked really, really bad, the Spirit can take a little and he can do the impossible. Do you believe that today? The title of the message today is Uneducated, Untrained, and Unstoppable. And we're gonna be looking at Acts chapter four. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Acts chapter four. We're gonna be looking at verses 13 through 22. God taking the ordinary and doing the supernatural, doing the impossible, that's the theme of the book of Acts. Everybody that God used was a little ordinary, and that's okay. When you read about what was happening, the miracles, the rapid expansion of the local church, I'll take ordinary any day. Acts chapter four, if you don't have a Bible, a Bible, we wanna get you one. We have free Bibles in the back, and if you want a study Bible, come talk to me. I'll order you a study Bible. I just wanna get as many Bibles in your hand as we possibly can. We believe that the Bible is God's word, that it's perfect, that it gives us hope for salvation, how to have a relationship with Jesus, and principles on how to live our everyday life. It's a good book, right? Am I right? All right, Acts chapter four, verses 13 through 22. If you're there, say, word. 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 4.13. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that this does not spread any further among the people, Let's threaten them against speaking to anyone in this name again. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. I love the Peter and John's response here. Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them further, they released them. They found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. For this sign of healing had been performed on a man over 40 years old. Let's pray before we unpack this text together. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you that it is living, that it is active. I thank you that as your spirit moves, it reveals to us exactly what we need to hear. Uh, Father, we believe that your presence is here. We believe in your scripture that says we're two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. And so, Father, we just pray that your spirit would move among us. Uh, we know where your spirit is, life change happens. And so, Father, we thank you today that uh, we're gonna leave more encouraged than when we came, more challenged. And God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
I want to bring you up to speed a little bit on this text because we, we heard in this text that there had obviously been some kind of a healing take place, and, and then there was some frustration with uh, the high priest and the council, and so I just want to, I want to reverse back a little. I want to bring us back to where we are, and then I want to unpack what we read for just a minute, okay? Is that all right with you guys? Let's go. So what happened just in the beginning of this chapter is we see that Peter and John, two ordinary guys, were walking to a prayer gathering. They were walking to pray. It wasn't a night of worship that they were going to. It wasn't a revival Sunday. It wasn't even a Sunday gathering. It was just another day at 3 p.m. walking to pray. Uh, I think that's significant because I think so many of us wait for breakthrough on a Sunday or that special prayer gathering or that moment when in reality, I think supernatural happens in the mundane. The moment where you're just walking down Pearl Street and God says, talk to this someone and you talk to them and you find out they've been waiting for you. I've been waiting to hear this. And I've been, I actually did need to be prayed over and and you're like, wow, God, like, I didn't know you would, I didn't know you could use a Monday for good. God can take a Monday. <laughs> and he can do something marvelous. See what I did there? Monday, marvelous. All right, marvelous Monday. Let's go. Miracle Monday. Amen? <laughs> Let's go. We're relabeling Monday. Miracle Monday. Anyways, so, the, the, so Peter and John were walking, and they were walking under this gate called Beautiful. Uh, this beautiful copper gate in the city, and there was a man who was lame who had never walked before since birth. And as we read in the scriptures, around 40 years old. And I can imagine everybody that was watching this knew that man. So there were people everywhere, and it was the gate. It was an entrance into the city to the temple. And, and, and people knew this person probably had been here since, I don't know, three years, five years, ten years. Or he may have grown up there his whole life. We don't really know. But people knew him, and they were watching. And this is what Peter and John does, and this is so fascinating to me. They walk past this person, and he has asked for alms. This is typical. And, he, and Peter and John looked down, and he said, look at me. Now, this is really intense. If I were to say, hey, look at me, then you would probably go from staring off at the bulbs uh, to say, okay, what was he going to say? But it wouldn't nearly be quite as intense. It's kind of a natural thing for me to say. But if we're walking down the pearl and you're kind of standing there minding your own business and I just walk up to you and I say, hey, look at me. You'd be like, yo, bro, what's up? Like, you're in my zone. Like, why? You'd wonder, this person looks like they got something important to say. And Peter said, hey, look at me. Silver and gold I don't have. But stand up and walk in the name of Jesus. And right then and there, in front of everybody, he stands up. And a total miracle, he's healed in the name of Jesus. Now, this really ticks off the chief priests and the Sadducees at the time. Because here, they can't be that he was healed in Jesus' name because Jesus is dead, they believed. And they did not believe that Jesus was God. So it's, it's impossible that they healed him in Jesus' name. But, but man, they said in Jesus' name and he stood up. What do we do with that? And so, in a, in a little bit of a fit of rage, they say, in what name are you performing this type of a healing? And then the disciples go on to preach the gospel. 
Oh, it's in the name of Jesus, Jesus, our God, who came and who lived a life and who died for your sins and was resurrected on the third day. And they preached the gospel, and the scripture says that over 5,000 people said yes to Jesus. One healing leading to 5,000 people, that's revival happening. That's awakening happening, a movement in a moment on a Monday, Miracle Monday. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out Miracle Monday. Who, who's in a miracle? Who's ready for a Miracle Monday? So that, that catches up to speed about where we are right now in the text in verse 13 is what happens next? And what I want to unpack for just a few minutes is a profile of a disciple. I believe that this, a faithful disciple, I believe this text teaches us what a profile of a faithful disciple should look like. The first thing that I see out of the text is that there was an unmistakable identity. What do they say right out of the gate? And they recognize that they had been with Jesus. There was this unmistakable identity over the apostles' life. I love also that they were, the scripture says in the very beginning, that members of the council were amazed. Why were they so amazed? It says so. It says that they were uneducated and untrained. They were ordinary men with no special training. Now, from their perspective, a miracle of that magnitude could only, I mean, surely that could only be done that somebody went to an official rabbinical school, somebody that's authorized, somebody that's been professionally trained. Who's, who's your rabbi? Oh, it's Jesus. Oh, hmm. But you're an ordinary fisherman. How can you perform such a miraculous healing, speak with, speak with such authority, and have such boldness and courage? You're just a fisherman. I want to encourage somebody in the house today to tell you that you don't need any formal education to be a bold witness for Christ. You don't need any formal training to be a bold witness for Christ. You need your story. You need to be real. You need to be authentic. You need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is enough to create a movement. Everything you have through the Holy Spirit is everything that you need. Uh, this church, it doesn't need another Christian that comes in uh, with formal education. Uh, we need a, a follower of Jesus that is empowered by the Spirit and reads his word. We don't need anybody with seminary training. No. The Spirit alone is enough to empower you to advance his kingdom in the city. Everything you have is everything you need through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see this miracle happen right here. I want you all to write this down if you're taking notes. Uh, if you're not committed to memory, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God doesn't call the qualified. So he was like, what, what gifts do I need? What special training? What education? No, God doesn't call the, call the qualified. I think, I think we get that twisted in our minds often whenever we want to make a big impact or whenever we want to serve. It's like, well, I, I've never been to school like that guy or I don't know as much as that girl. Sorry, that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Uh, another thing that you can remember or another statement that you can remember in your mind is God's not looking for your ability, your skills, your talents, your gifts, what you can and what you cannot do. God's not impressed by any of that. He's looking for your availability, your yes on the table. Yes, God, if you call me to share the gospel with my friends, yes, you got my yes. God, you're calling me to give above and beyond. God, you, have, you know you have my yes. 
God, you're calling me to pray over this person and believe in a miracle? God, you know, you, you got my yes. God is looking for somebody that knows the word and obeys the word. And we get, we get it so twisted in our mind, and we get, make it so complicated, but God's not looking for the ability. He's looking for your availability and your yes. It says that they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, this is a super, I could, I could just spend the whole time right here with this one text because it got me thinking. If people were to associate you with someone or something, what would they associate you with? If you, were to, if you were to walk up and ask your friends or your coworkers or your family and say, you know, what, what is it and what association do I have? Would people say that, oh, man, Mike, I, I know Mike. I recognize that Mike's been with Jesus. I want to take it one step further because sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our mind around the here and now because the here and now is already passed. Let's take it a step further and let's say at the end of your life, which could be, could be tonight. I pray it's not. Could be in a year. I pray that it's not. Could be in a hundred years. Amen. <laughs> Better at 99. Shout out. But you get to the end of your life. And people are talking about your life. And they're testifying about your story and, and what you lived for and what you were passionate about and, and what you gave to and, and what you committed your life to. And it's, what would they say about your life? What would they associate you with? I don't know. I mean, I know, I know Tom, and uh, if you're Tom here, I'm sorry. No, no dissing on Tom's in the house. I know Tom, but I know Tom really loves. What do you know about Tom? I don't really know much about him. I know he loves this one TV show. He talks about it all the time. He quotes it all the time. And that's, that's as much as we know about Tom. Uh, maybe it's your, your career. And that's your one thing that people know about you is you're passionate about your career, making that money, 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 money. All I talk is about my 401k, how much money I made today. Anybody know anybody that tells you how much money they make? Yeah, we all know. We all have a few of those friends. It's like, man, I'm sorry, but like I'm not impressed. Like you die and all that money is worthless. Uh, or, or like how many miles you ran last week, that's awesome. Not impressed. Not impressed. <laughs> How much you lifted last week? Hey, I'm sorry. Sorry, team. I know. I love you. But is that really what you want to be known for? Like at the end of your life, man, you're, you know, all I know about her was she was, she was a gifted runner. And, and then they talk about running for 30 minutes and you walk off. It's like, ah. Uh, what does that mean for my kids? What does that mean for their kids? What does that mean about leaving a generational legacy of something more than the temporary? I don't know. I love, I love the way that they said this. They recognize that they've been someone that's been with Jesus. That's what I want people to say at the end of my life. You know, there's a lot we could say about Parker, but one thing that I think stands out in front is that he loved the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He gave everything he had to advancing the, the message of Jesus Christ. I don't, know, I, can't, I don't know a lot about him, but one thing that I do know is that he walked with the Lord. He walked by the Spirit. That's what I want people to say at the end of my life. 
Uh, also, one of the things I want to recognize in this text is when you look at Peter and, and John, you know, they weren't isolated they, and they weren't alone. And I think that's also something important to pull out in the text is that uh, they traveled in pairs and they put people around them that also wanted to be recognized as someone who walked with Jesus. Think about the people that you put yourself around. It would be my guess, if I had to guess, that if the number one thing that you were pursuing with your life was your career, then it would be my guess that the closest people around you, that's their number one pursuit as well. It would be my guess if running or bench pressing a 1,000 pounds was your number one goal in life, and that's what you wanted people to know you for, it would be my guess those are the closest people you surround yourself with. And you're like, yeah, you know what? I've never even really thought about it. But you're right. I want to encourage you today, put the right people around your life. If, that, if, that's the, if the legacy you want to leave is something that goes beyond yourself, something that's bigger than yourself, then put people around you that have that same vision for their life. Have, uh, make it practical. You're like, what does this mean for me? Okay, make it super practical here. Start showing up to everything that we do and look around and if you see somebody that that's said of their life and true of their life, then walk over and say, hey, can I take you to coffee? I wanna ask you some questions. Hey, can I take you to breakfast? Can I take you to lunch? I wanna meet with you. And then you meet with them and then you get done and you say, hey, this was really good for me. Uh, I need more of this in my life. Uh, you think we could do this again in a couple weeks? You, you uh, Make it even more practical. You, you walk up to that person, you say, hey, are you involved in a crew? Because uh, I'd like to know what night you meet. I'd like to get, get to know you a little better. And then little by little, you start putting yourself around the right people going in the same direction as you. Gets, gets you a little bit stronger. Have you ever been walking down a dark alley alone? And you're like, man, I hope I don't get jumped right now. Anybody ever been there? Have you ever walked through that same dark alley with like 10 of your closest friends? You're like, yo, come at me. I'll take you out. I'm rolling with my crew. Ain't nobody going to touch me now. And I think this one's a little crazy. So everybody has that friend. <laughs> oh, man. That's how it is in your spiritual life as well. When you're isolated and alone, it's a little scary. It's a little intimidating. You put the right people around you going the same direction as you, got a little bit of confidence in the journey right now. All right, let's continue. Let's look at the next point of a faithful disciple. You see undeniable miracles. This is what we see in the text. This is what the, the council chamber said. We can't deny that they had performed this miraculous sign. We can't deny it. <laughs> Wish we could but we can't deny it. And then they get a little weird. They go off the, the deep end a little bit and they get a little crazy and they go to drastic measures to try to cover it up. Lying, threatening them. Uh, one of the things that I, I noticed about this council is that they were more interested at protecting their position than they were about seeking truth. The truth was in their face we can't deny that they healed this lame man in Jesus' name, but what do we do with that? 
Like if we, if we explore that it's true, then it could affect our status because, I mean, our, our job is to like protect this type of a activity from happening in this city. And, and so they were, went into protection mode. Uh, I wanted to ask a question again and just say, how many of you, in you, how many of you here today would say that I'm trying to protect my reputation? I'm trying to protect my status over seeking truth. Maybe there's a lot of doubt there. Maybe there's a lot of fear there of what others might say. But you're saying, you know, if I were to post on my Instagram that I was at church today, I'd probably lose some friends. And so instead of being honest and authentic with the people that are close to you and that follow you, you go into protection mode like this council did and you're like, ah, I think my reputation is more important than me seeking truth. I want to encourage you today to tell you that if people unfollow you because you're honest about seeking truth and honest about your spiritual journey, about learning more about who Jesus is, they aren't your friends and they don't care about you. If anything, they're, they're more concerned about controlling you than they are about your welfare. I think in the words of NSYNC, <laughs> ba, ba, ba. peace, didn't need you anyways, you're holding me back. Let's not be more concerned. It could be, it could take it even a step further, maybe make it a little bit more personal. It could be your job. Maybe you're trying to protect your job and you say, man, if I were to be a bold witness like this at work, I would get fired. So you're trying to protect your job over being a bold witness for Christ. I just want to encourage you and tell you, if you lose your job over sharing the gospel with your coworkers, Compared to the sacrifice that the apostles made, not that big of a deal. Peter gave his life for the gospel, hung upside down by his request because he didn't want to be hung the same way his Savior was hung. I think it's important for us to put our sacrifice into perspective of what some of our forefathers and the brave men and women who have gone before have sacrificed for the sake of the gospel. Yes, it's a big deal if you lose your job. You'll get another job. But I believe that God's calling us to be a bold witness and to not put our job or our status or our reputation over his calling on our life. Just before an Acts says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Samaria to the ends of the earth. God's called us to be a witness. It's a mandate from God. Grow and make disciples, Jesus said in his final uh, words before he ascended into heaven. There's a mandate on our life. Next, I see Peter's method, and I'm not gonna linger here long. I just wanna point out one little, one little piece of insight that I pulled from this text in that the method that Peter and John used to share the gospel wasn't just the miracle, it was the message. And there's actually a Greek word when he was talking about the, the make him, they make him whole, which of healing his body, that Greek word is the exact same word used for his spiritual life as well. They never detached miracles from the message, and neither will we. It's not enough for you to walk around healing people and say, all right, be healed, peace. 
Follow me on Instagram, at Parker Manuel. No, 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 no. The message was, the message was not about you. The message was not about your glory. The, mess, the, the, miracle, the miracle is not about you, not about your glory. The miracle was for the message. And this is exactly what Peter and John do. They, they perform a miracle. They preach the gospel. They say, oh, man, you think this is something. Jesus wants to save you, heal you from the inside out. This miracle is nothing, something so much more God wants to do from the inside out in your life. And he can do it. Jesus can do it. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. Miracles are great. The message is greater. The good news of the gospel. Uh, next, I see the, the, the goal of the enemy was the silence. We see that the, the council chamber came together and they said, hey, let's silence them. This is the absolute goal of the enemy in your life. He wants to silence you. He wants to silence your story. He wants to silence your message. He wants to silence your life. And if he can do it, if he can silence your life, silence your message, then he can sabotage your mission. His goal is to silence you. But I was thinking about this. I was thinking, whenever you go to share, there's a lot of doubt, a lot of fear. And this is normal with everybody. The enemy puts a lot of fear, a lot of doubt, a lot of discouragement on your mind. And, and I want to let you know, if you're here today, if you feel doubt, fear, or discouragement whenever you're going to share the gospel, it is normal. And I would almost say that it's probably a sign that you're moving in the right direction. I would say that if, if you're not sharing uh, and the enemy isn't giving you any fear, doubt, or discouragement in your life, it might be a sign that you both are going in the same direction. I don't feel any any. Any, any doubt, really, in my life, I'm good, you know. I'm more of a relation, relational type of evangelist, you know. I don't, I don't really share the message. It's, it's more like my life. Oh, yeah, well, that's, that's kind of the enemy's goal for your life as well, is to silence you and to not make you a bold witness. And, and that might feel a little heavy, but there's encouragement on the other end is, is that if if he can't silence you, what actually happens, this, we saw this all throughout scripture, is any time that the enemy tried to silence the apostles, guess what happened? It multiplied their efforts. We sang, this, we sang about this in the song. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. So the enemy comes at them with suffering. Guess what? They multiply and they expand. The enemy comes at them with doubt and fear, and the council members, they're threatening them. Guess what happens? They say, uh, you want me to be silent? You're going to have to kill me. And guess what happens? The gospel spreads even faster. If he can silence you, pray for the wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit that we see in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But if he can't silence you, get ready. You're about to be a part of a movement that is unstoppable. That's just the, the final and the last point is this. That in a faithful disciple, we see an unstoppable conviction. Do you think that God wants us to obey you rather than him? And they, they say, we cannot stop telling everything we have seen and heard. A question as it relates to conviction that I want to encourage you with today is, a question I want you to ask yourself is, is it, is it right? Okay, so we see in Scripture that it says, I'm, uh, I'm going to receive the power from the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be a bold witness. But, you know, is, there, is it right that I, that I become silenced or, or is it right that I stand up for what I believe? 
I think that, is it right? Is this is a good question we could ask ourselves, not what we normally ask ourselves. Is it, is it popular? Well, maybe in your atmosphere, it's probably not gonna be popular to be a follower of Christ and to be a bold witness. No, it's not the right question. Uh, is it safe? I'm, I'm probably not the right question, because no, it's probably not safe. But is it right to stand on your convictions? I love it. He says, we cannot stop telling. In other words, yeah, if you want me to shut up, you're going to have to kill me. And at the end of his life, they did have to kill him. I want to give you some guardrails here on how do I know if it's a biblical conviction? One, is it aligned with God, God's word? What we'll see with biblical conviction is it aligned with God's word and you'll actually obey it. Next, we see that it touches every area of your life. We also see that it gives you courage to stand alone. And a conviction, not a standard, but a conviction is something that you're willing to die for, which is what we see right here with what they're preaching. They're preaching the gospel. They try to silence them, and they say, uh, you can't silence me. I cannot stop telling about what I've seen and heard. It's, this good news is too good not to share. God's done too much in my life not to share. I'm not gonna cower. You're not gonna silence me to shut me up. You'll gotta, you gotta kill me. Do we have convictions in the house? Do we have that level of conviction? Or do, is our faith the type of faith where it's like, you're sharing work and, and, and they come at you and you're like, hey, my bad. I'm good. You good? We all good. Hey, everybody's good here. I'm done. Is that a conviction? Or is that just a standard of living that you've put in your life that if, a, if it gets a little inconvenient or a little unsafe, you veer off and you go with what's safe and comfortable and convenient? Or is it a conviction where you say, no, 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 no. God called me to this thing. It is a mandate over my life. If I say I'm going to follow Jesus, then I'm going to obey the mandate of going and making disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And Jesus says that, hey, look, you're not going to do this alone. I'm going to be with you. Jesus says he's going to be with you in, the, in Acts 1-8. And when the Holy Spirit, when the power of the Holy Spirit has come on you, the Holy Spirit's going to be with you too. He's going to give you everything that you need. God's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. And I want to encourage you today in a response song, does he have your availability? Does he have your Yes. For the miracle, does he have your, the miracle Monday, does he have your yes? The mundane to the supernatural, does he have your yes? Would you, if you would go ahead and stand with me, I wanna invite you today, if, if you're here today and you've never heard of this good news of the gospel, Jesus Christ, it's a very simple message. It's that God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son into the world. Scripture says that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. Jesus was God's son, he was perfect in every way. He came down in perfect birth, he lived a perfect life. And scripture says that sin equals death. Our sin, our turning away from God's word, from God's path for our life. Disobedience and disrespect from God has actually caused separation from God. And Jesus says that in that separation, it equals death. But Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, and he died on a cross to pay that death penalty. So a death penalty that we should have paid, Christ stood in the gap, and he said, no, I'm going to pay that because I love you so much. Scripture says that greater love is no one than this, than he who would lay down his life for a friend. Now, this is not an unfamiliar story to us. 
Every good superhero movie has what? A superhero that stands in the gap for somebody else. This is how we know what true love is. It's Jesus coming to earth, standing in the gap for us, and it's only through the blood of Jesus that we can have a relationship with the Father. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I wanna encourage you today, if you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, it's as simple as this. God, I believe that you are who you say you are. Today, I put my faith and I put my trust in you and I wanna start a relationship with you. And guess what? It's done. Romans uh, 10, 13 says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And I wanna invite you to do that during our response song. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.